0: Welcome to Maker to Market. I'm your host, Amanda George, and on this show, we talk about how folks bring products to market. I've got another guest with me today, but I'm going to let him give a quick introduction, and then we'll hop straight into some questions and answers. Evan, take it away.
1: Hello. My name is Evan Pankey. I'm the vice president of product for Hospital at Home at Medically Home.
0: Awesome, thanks for joining us today. Now for the audience, do you mind just giving them a little bit of history around your background, how you got started and what your experience is? Sure,
1: so my background is in uh, product management, particularly in healthcare. I've been doing this work for the last 15 years. I actually got my start in medical school. So I came to Boston to go to medical school, I had a visual impairment. I realized I wasn't going to be able to practice medicine. And I kind of looked for a spot in healthcare that I could continue to make a, an impact. And I stumbled into this area called medical informatics. It was kind of on the academic side. And I decided there was a place that I could have an impact on healthcare and uh, help build systems to improve healthcare delivery. And that's the work that I've been focused on uh, for the last 15 years.
0: Awesome. Now I have to ask, what did you originally wanted to do when you first uh, went into med school?
1: When I came to med school, I didn't have like an exact idea. I wasn't a person that came in wanting to be a surgeon or a cardiologist or radiologist. I just had a, a vague notion that I wanted to help improve health. So I was, even b- before I made my later decision, kind of exploring and policy and research, just trying to find the, the space that that fit.
0: That's awesome. And the reason why I asked is because it seems to be a little bit of a sub theme on the show that's kind of coming up is a lot of our guests, including yourself right now have mentioned that, you know, where they started isn't where they thought they would be. And I think it's important for our audience to kind of know that there is more than just what something says, you know, in your case, there's more than just med school. It's not just about being a surgeon or a doctor. As you mentioned, you needed to find your niche. And I think that's an interesting sort of niche that you kind of went into now. Especially in today's day and age in healthcare, we know some of the challenges that a lot of hospitals have been facing when it comes to medical, um, whether it is anything from information management to even down to the maintenance teams and getting equipment up and running. What challenges have you seen kind of emerge from the pandemic that you're trying to solve today?
1: Sure. So... My journey at Medically Home started right before the pandemic. Before the pandemic, we were trying to build a platform to support safe clinical care for acutely ill patients at at home. And we were kind of in in the beginning stages of that journey. we had proven clinically that it could be done uh, safely. We had a phenomenal team of doctors and nurses and and technologists, people from many different dimensions. But then during the pandemic the the demand for that kind of service uh, took off. So we really had to go into hyperdrive as far as the platform that we were building because uh, the the demand just instantly materialized and And we were really off to the races,
0: which is a super interesting point, because it seems like you were just ahead of the curve. And then this thing kind of exploded, which made you have to pivot. You know, you Mm -hmm. mentioned that you were building a platform with the amount of demand that was there. What were some of the challenges that you had to face and overcome in order to incorporate some of those challenges or even make adjustments to your original plan with the platform?
1: Sure, when we first started, we were building for ourselves, like you know in product we say eating eating your own dog food, so it was our physicians, <laughs> our nurses we we had an electronic health record that we had purchased, and we were integrating uh uh in, into and with the pandemic, the demand was to integrate our platform into the existing platforms of the health systems, which was something that we had never done before at that company. I and uh, other people on on the technology team had had similar experiences. So we kind of knew what to do, but we had to do it extremely uh, quickly in in that context to make things work. And uh, and we were able to, to make it work over time. But what we really had to do was from an MVP perspective, say, okay, how do we do this without any integration? Then what's our first step to integration? And then once we have integration, where do we take it from here? So that was definitely core product process that that we worked through to perform under a lot of time pressure.
0: Awesome. I mean, it sounds like you guys were almost ready for this. It's like you knew it was going to happen. You've all faced the challenges and then you got together and overcame them. Do you still find that there are some challenges that are harder to overcome now that you've kind of gone through the pretty much the gist of it or the worst of it through the pandemic with the amount of demand, are you still seeing a lot more demand for it or are you trying to pivot strategy now that there's a little bit of downtime and not so much craziness to deal with?
1: There's still a lot of demand, particularly from patients. There's understanding that's growing that being at home is is a better setting for care. It's a it's a safer setting. Patients don't get infections from other patients when they're at home. They prefer to be with their family members, with their pets, having their own food and, and drinks. So we find that it's a better setting. So we are essentially building the the technology to pair with that and to support that and building services in addition to the technology that delivers timely uh, kind of human-centered care in the home setting and having to solve a, a myriad of operational and technical challenges, uh, while we're doing that. And, uh, that that's been the fun and rewarding part of this journey that we're still certainly
0: on. Yeah. And for the audience, because this is sort of a newer topic and one that we haven't discussed on the show in death either. What are some of the typical scenarios that your patients go through on a day to day that you were trying to solve for them? Cause I think it ranges when most people think acute or critical care, they're thinking of someone maybe in a bed or the most extreme version of it, but just want to clarify it for the audience so we're not going down the weirdest scenario yeah. in their minds.
1: Sure. So our standard patients would be meet the qualifications to be admitted to a hospital floor. So they have conditions like uh, congestive heart failure, uh, cellulitis, urinary tract infection. So these are conditions that they would be on an IV fluids or diuretic. In addition to having labs being done in the home, some of them are are at a point that they might need oxygen. So our our system, our platform and services around that uh, deliver all of that equipment management to the home in addition to having a physician and nurse available and assigned 24-7.
0: Thank you for clarifying that. Now, one thing that's also a little bit interesting, because I'm assuming you're also U.S. based or we know that you are U.S. based. In public sectors, there may be challenges where it's much harder to get that level of equipment or even private care accessible to other members. How do you kind of create a solution around that, especially for countries or if you're looking to go global? How would you solve something like that?
1: So currently, as you mentioned, we're in the U.S. The context that we were able to kind of solve and grow this very quickly was during the pandemic. There was a, a waiver that allowed us to take care of Medicare patients. So for People not from the U.S., those are people age 65 or, or above where the, the government uh, will pay for inpatient hospital stays. So that has uh, been able to allow us to, to reach a large number of patients here in the U.S. Currently, that's where the our company, Medically Home, is focused, although we have participated uh, this year in the World Hospital at Home Conference, so we're definitely in conversation with folks uh, around the globe and kind of comparing notes and how this is done in in other countries.
0: That's awesome to hear because I think it's, it's definitely something that's top of mind, I think, for everyone now that we've all gone through a pandemic, have seen how healthcare systems have been struggling, et cetera. Here in Canada, we do have public health care. And if you ask any Canadians, the, the crown jewel of being Canadian. It is the thing you depend on and live on. But what people fail to realize is that it's been an overstressed system for quite some time. So it's interesting to hear that there are conversations like this. I think it's also going to be interesting as we start to, to look at healthcare a little bit differently and make it more accessible how patients or even just your average citizen will adopt these newer technologies. Now, in terms of technologies that you're using, what are some of the integrations that you think are going to help you down the future? Because these days, it seems like everyone has a smart device of some sort that can do some sort of health record tracking. So are you utilizing things like at-home devices, fitness apps, etc.?
1: Sure. So in the in the context of our, our current solution, uh, we send a tablet to each patient's home. We actually have a paramedic take the patient from the emergency room back to their home. And either that paramedic or another member of our of our service partner network will actually install all of our technology in their home. So that includes a tablet that uh, can connect to Bluetooth connected devices like a blood pressure cuff, a finger pulse oximeter to measure oxygen, a weight scale. All those things are Bluetooth connected into our platform. We even provide redundant internet through a a cradle point. So even if the patient doesn't have great internet, we can always get them connected. And we even have a backup battery if if power is down or out. So we really focus on, on redundancy in the home uh, through the the platform that we provide to the patients.
0: It sounds like you've almost thought of everything needed, because I was just about to say, I was just watching, and I may have mentioned this on my last podcast episode with Chris as well, I was watching working with Barack Obama, and he was working with a patient or with a lady in Mississippi who has her own home care that also is funded by Medicare And you know everybody thinks that you're working in health tech or whatever the case may be, you're taking home a ton of money. And it was very humbling to hear her say that even though patients are her number one, she is not taking anything home just for the sake of sacrificing to make sure that her patients are happy. So it's interesting to hear that you've also provided that because some of the challenges that she mentioned was getting some of those, the right devices, the right setup for that patient could be a challenge. And she has even gone as far as, taking money out of her own pocket to make sure that those patients have those things. So it's interesting that you've also thought of those and put them into the platform or thought of it as part of the process. Now, one of the things that we kind of dive a lot around as a topic on this show is what are some of the things that you wish someone had told you throughout your career? What advice would you give our audience?
1: Sure. Things that I've learned along the way. Uh, We we mentioned this. When it comes to product and innovation, and I say this not being a surfer, but you need to have your board in the water before the wave hits. So (laughs) oftentimes I see people who want to be in technology that are chasing behind trends. But to really be on on the cusp, you have to find a, a problem. And I'd say a problem over a solution. A problem that's that's really timely and ripe to solve, even when it's hard, uh, because you need to be in that position to take advantage to to really make a move or a change in the market.
0: Absolutely, and I think it's something we we don't really talk about a lot is where do you find these niches? And sometimes, you know, in your case, it came from going through med school and knowing that being in the hospital setting wasn't exactly for you versus some of our other guests have kind of talked about, you know, they've stumbled across it along the way. And, you know, you brought up a great point around following trends, which I have to ask next, how do you see AI fitting into your future? Do you think there's going to be chances for improvement, ways that it will help automate tasks for you? Where do you see it playing a role in patient care?
1: Sure. So I think that I look at artificial intelligence as as a tool and I, and I pair it with like a machine learning. So certainly when there's something that's happening over and over again, how can we learn from that rapidly? How can we feed that forward to improve a process? People make mistakes one out of every hundred tasks if they're working and performing at a really high level. And uh, most of us, I know myself, I don't perform at that level on on all things all, all the time. So I think that we, when we use technology to support what people are, are doing, and we can reflect the learnings of, of the past to to reduce that error rate, that's the the best use of of technology. And I think machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, fall squarely in there. For, for medically home, we really focus on that human to human interaction. So a patient is assigned a doctor and a nurse 24-7. And that's, that's really important for us as those being the key touch points for, for interactions.
0: Thank you. Now, it's nice to hear that a lot of your development work is kind of centered around the human to human interaction, which is something that I think we don't see a lot of. On a couple of past episodes, we have kind of dived into topics where we talk about design around how humans interact. And I think it's interesting that you took the approach of going from the human human patient to doctor or patient to nurse approach on how to make that process easier. What really drove that conversation? And you know, instead, where did is that where you started on the product design, and then decided to decide to build the platform around it, or was it the other way around?
1: Uh, at Medically Home, we are definitely kind of led by by a clinical perspective. My my closest colleague is a, a nurse who was a director at a large hospital system here in Boston, a Mass General Hospital, and then uh, here at Medically Home. Ran the what was the nursing director, and I've really worked uh, closely with her. Her name is Jess, in understanding from the nurses' perspective what kind of humanistic care is, and then we wrap the technology around that.
0: That's awesome because I feel like I don't hear as much. It's almost like you ran your own focus group with your own employees to understand. The people, the process, and what's needed to design around that. And I feel like it's an important step that kind of gets overlooked because we talk a lot about research, especially when it comes to product development. And there's so many different frameworks that are available on the internet, whether if you wanted to take the human approach, the jobs to be done framework could be used. You know, you could do a focus group if you've done to build the platform around how someone actually can work around that into the way that their processes are. And then there's also the, I'm just gonna design a product. With all the different frameworks that are out there and even just the skill set needed to kind of understand how to use them, what kind of skills have you kind of picked up over the years or dropped over the years? (laughs) Because I feel like that's one that as time goes on, especially when it comes to IT, what's old is new, what's new is old, and things that disappeared come back again.
1: Sure. I'm a big, big fan of lean framework, lean methodologies. So two companies before this, I had the opportunity to build an electronic health record that was for small uh, practices from scratch. And um, I'd never done that before. No one gave me any instructions. so I was like, let me read what I can find as best practices. And I used the lean methodology. I used lean canvas, lean startup at the time. And it, it worked like magic. Like it helped me to anticipate what the next set of needs were and and approaches were. So I'm, I'm really a big fan of, of that framework. More recently, I, I really like the, the Lean Product Playbook for, for product folks. It translates the Lean Startup methodology into kind of some tactical best practices. And I think that really does pair well with jobs to be done. I say overall, focus on the, the operational solution of the problem first and then layer in the technology. I find that's the, the most effective approach.
0: I love that. Now, I also got to ask, because you brought it up a little bit earlier around trends. It, it almost feels like trends are very um, consumer focused in a lot of ways. How do trends like AI, AR, VR, things like that, do they typically hit the healthcare sector as quickly? Or is it just something that you just kind of keep an eye on?
1: It's variable in healthcare in the United States. Uh, the level of adoption can be slow because there's a lot of vendor consolidation, and there's a lot of regulations in place that can make it challenging to just like bring something new, new in. But I think for AI and machine learning, it has the potential to solve a lot of existing clinical problems, and we are seeing some some new companies pop up, even ones uh, before chat. GPT kind of uh, took, took the stage. There are a lot of startup companies that are kind of using machine learning and artificial intelligence. So I think there's definitely a place in healthcare. I think the biggest shift here in the United States is is the the model in which care is delivered, moving away from kind of fee for service and more into value-based care. And and for me as a product professional, at this point, I'm, I'm only interested in joining and working in companies that are, have that value-based orientation because the technology that you build is going to be really entrenched in the business model that you're building in. So to me, I want to believe in the business model so I can believe in the solution that's going to come from it.
0: That is an awesome answer. And I'm probably going to frame that somewhere and maybe make a little bit of content out of it because I think that is some super golden advice right there. But in terms of not only just adopting two trends, I mean, how are you keeping up with market changes, market attitude, et cetera? Because obviously perception has changed over time, especially as Issues kind of hit the public a little bit more, especially when it comes to the healthcare sector. How do you keep abreast of those issues and then public perception around it and then incorporate that? Or how do you just kind of keep on top of what's happening in your space?
1: From a product perspective, it's all about who your users are uh, and who your customers are and, and who your stakeholders are. So in in this role and and for this product, for Medically Home and treating patients in, in home, it's actually being in touch with patients and patient trends, being in touch with nurses and, and physicians in addition to the hospital systems and and payers that that we work with, because attitudes are, are evolving rapidly, especially in the context of the pandemic, we're all forced to be at home, and now we have options. You know, physicians and nurses are experiencing like uh, burnout, uh, where they're they were stressed by working uh, in hospital systems under dire circumstances in the pandemic, and now we're all kind of recalibrating to. What's a good work-life balance? How do I want to work? Where do I want to work? And it's the same thing with with patients as well. So I think having access as a product professional to users broader than just your customers is critically important.
0: That is a great answer, which is the perfect segue into my next question, which is, what are your hopes for the future? What do you hope will solve challenges that we can overcome, or even just things that you hope to see just kind of happen with technology.
1: I want to be part of systems that are building uh, solutions, even beyond technology, that allow people to be whole and happy people. And that is really something that's evolving in time. And that's why I say the business model really matters. It should be aligned with your ethics and your your perspective for the work, for me, for the work that I'm doing to be uh, fulfilling. So I think the future in healthcare, we say that an ounce of prevention is better than, than a pound of cure, um, but really moving into systems that embody that, that enable that. And that's a big journey here in the United States. And and I think it's the same thing globally. No one wants to be sick. Even if you were given the choice to be at a hospital at home or not sick at all, you'd choose to be well. So how do we enable technology to allow people to be well so they can really enjoy their lives to the utmost?
0: I love that answer. But I really hope to to kind of add to your point, (laughs) we find a cure for seasonal allergies, because it is seems to be hitting everybody I know now. And even I've been suffering from years. I'm just hoping that, you know, you mentioned the word preventative, that there are more preventative measures, because I think it's something that, you know, To your point, everything is very reactionary or after the thought. It doesn't matter whether it's healthcare, our legal systems, et cetera. Something has to happen before something can be done. But we're starting to see changes where things like in the manufacturing sector, they're looking at prevented things from happening. So you can see the warning signs and it's almost the same thing in healthcare. You're seeing on ABC or Good Morning America, I think it was the other day, there was someone who used AI to detect breast cancer way before it even happened. So they could, the AI scenario could actually detect breast cancer up to 4 years before it actually developed into stage 2 for a particular patient, which I thought was mind-blowing. You know, maybe there are things that the human eye can't see that maybe our machines we can train to to utilize to help prevent things in the future as well. But I think that's an awesome aspiration to have. But how do you also hope to see preventative care kind of happen for patients in the future, in addition to just using technology? Because that also feels like there needs to be a bit of a cultural shift with the staff as well.
1: Yes, I will go into policy land. Um, <laughs> so, so, so here, here in the United States, our healthcare system was kind of uh, built around employment during World War II the assumption was that you would keep your job for like 20 years and retire. And back in that time, there wasn't a lot of women who were even able to participate in the workforce after the, the war ended. And, and certainly we've outgrown that model. I work in technology and I change jobs, you know, three, five years, two years to, you know, a year and a half. The, the turnover is, is much higher. I'll, there'll never be a job that I'll work at for, for 20 years. I'm completely confident. So how does our health system need to change. Uh, so my health insurance cares about me as an individual. And the fact that I could be preventing a condition that's going to happen five or 10 years from now if I don't do do anything to prevent it from happening. And I want to be involved in technology that that facilitates that. But a big part of that is is not technology. It's actually Policy and, and the models around that. So, increasingly, with with my jobs, even before this job, I find myself like lobbying in in the Massachusetts State House or in in Washington D.C. to create the policy that enables the technology to work as well as it can in a humanistic way.
0: I love that because it does feel like we've outgrown the Industrial Revolution sort of mindset. We are now entering into a new one. And it's not a generational change, as the media loves to call it, which I absolutely hate the terminology they're using. It's more of a, you know, we have, you know, 100 years ago, computers didn't exist. Smartphones did not exist. The way we are working today is much different from 100 years ago. And it's really funny that a lot of systems have not changed, including education, for example. You know, you talked about how the Industrial Revolution after World War II kind of changed things. Women started entering the workforce, et cetera. Our school systems have not been updated since the Industrial Revolution as well. There are small tweaks and changes, but you know we're still kind of working with systems that don't quite grasp the way people work today. So I love that your perspective on that. And to your point too, I am a wild card to most employers because I have changed jobs as well quite a few times in the last 15 years and I'm on my third career change as we speak. Um, but to your point, I think for me, I didn't want to stay comfortable in a role and I didn't want to settle in a role that I didn't feel valued, which is another thing I think that impacts the workplace as well and what you're trying to build. So I love that you put the people first mentality in not only just your product design, but also how you're structuring your own organization and what you're doing for it. I want to thank you for your time. This has been an awesome discussion. Where can we learn more about Medically Home and where can users find some more information? Sure.
1: So we are at medicallyhome.com. And uh, so you can find us there. You can find us on on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. And you're only available in Massachusetts at the moment?
1: No, we are in many states. I, I will name a few, not all of them. So we are <laughs> in uh, we are in Massachusetts. We are in Florida. We are in Texas, California, Washington State, Oregon, and many more.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for your time again. This was awesome. I can't wait to see what your company does in the future and how things pan out. But thank you again for your time.
1: Thank you. Great talking to you, Amanda.